The following program is not to be taken seriously. What you are about to witness is two self-proclaimed cinema experts discussing the fun intricacies of the film industry. Their opinions or beliefs are not representative of true talent or proper cinema. Research is optional and even discouraged since they find it to be, and I quote, useless nonsense for the academy. Keep in mind that if you are trying to avoid spoilers, you are not in the right place. If the boys have seen the movie, it is assumed that everyone has. Sit back, relax, have fun. If you cannot currently do that, do whatever you want, just enjoy the pod. These are... <laughs> that gets me going, bro. It actually does. I love the... I love... I, I don't know how to say that. Words are right. I like the little girl with her voice. I think it's fun. Um, welcome back to uh, Real Talk. This is episode 10. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? I feel like that Paul Rudd meme today. You know, like that meme of him doing the, the show with the wings? And he's like, uh, who would have thought? <laughs> Look at us. Who would have thought? Not no, me. I've never seen never, it. Um, I've never seen I'm that. sure if I show it to you, it's a classic meme. It's he's eating the wing and okay. he's like talking to the guy. I think they made it to like the end of like the hottest wings, right? Mm-hmm. You know the show. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he's, and he's like, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> he takes a bite. That's what I feel like. Episode so ten. You feel like biting a hot wing? No, I feel like we've done ten episodes and it's more than what we can commit to yet. <laughs> <laughs> Commitment is not a part of my vocab. So like... anyway, we made it to ten. Honestly, it's a lot of fun though. Like, yeah, it's fun to come here every day, and uh, not every day. That's one. It'd be week. more fun. Yeah, every day would be sick, but uh, we'd one run day out, every we'd, day we'd run out of content. <laughs> but, no, never. To be here, do this is uh, it's a lot of fun on a weekly basis, and we made it to ten weeks. Uh, maybe one day we'll make it to fifty-two. That'll make one year. What? Yeah, math. Apparently, I learned that when I was in, I learned that when I was a kid. Shit. Yes. I didn't know you could learn. Fucking me neither. <laughs> um, before, like, we have a we have a really good show. We have a lot of topics planned out. But before we get into that, I have to say something. And you don't know about this. I didn't talk to you about it yet. This morning, I sat down. I woke up really early. And I sat down in front of the television. And I watched a movie. I was actually not watching a movie. But I came on to um, the Stars Network. Like, which is yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's like what you know, a movie channel. That's whatever. when you know it's early in the morning. Oh, it's, if it was not if it was not Stars, I was watching telemarketing. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to watch people tell me I should buy Dr. Ho. <laughs> Buy alien tape. <laughs> I didn't want to buy alien tape. I wanted to watch. Anyway, it can hold up to fifteen pounds. <laughs> it's not. I don't need that. Anyway, I. Uh, it's removable without leaving a scuff. Are you working for that? Alien? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, um, send me money. Send me money. <laughs> <laughs> I I open up uh, the television and I'm watching Stars and uh, what comes on Stars or it was playing at the time was No Time to Die, mm. James Bond's latest movie, and I was like Daniel Craig's. That Daniel Craig's latest James Bond movie. Yeah, it's the latest James Bond movie. Anyway, there's not hasn't been one. Since. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I was like, this movie is criminally underrated in every way. I was up at five thirty, fully invested into every scene I saw. I was like, oh wow, oh, I remember, I remember, I forgot about it all, and it all came back to me like a flash flood because I've seen the movie like twice before. And I was like, this movie is phenomenal. So I had to point that out, that No Time to Die is great. But the and intro scene is long. To me, that movie... 22-minute like, cold no, open. No, as in, um, when he gets into it, like, they're trying to get him back from uh, his, like, tropical outskirt. The see, setup? The setup the that he time. has. That, until he's, like, back at being James Bond, I find this movie extremely long. I find it extremely rewarding, base, and you gotta just take it, because think about the first 22... 
okay, you, every James Bond movie has like a scene, a little intro introduction sequence, yes. the opening credits, and then there's like a first act, second act, third act. Yeah. The cold open of No Time to Die is 25 minutes long. It's an action sequence. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And then you have the... Oh, you know, I, I was not talking about that scene. No, yes, I know. You're that, talking about the first uh, act. Mm, the first but to act. me, you sit through the first act because you just got... It's like if you're watching a movie, but you're a child, and it's like, here's a treat. Mm-hmm. Now sit. We're going to explain some stuff, and then we're going to give you more treats. Because this movie is fun. Like, at the end, that whole but last... that's the James Bond recipe, right? We're going to give you treats great. and, like, make sure you just sit It's through. like, just sit tight. We got you. And that's mm-hmm. how this movie feels. It's extremely rewarding to watch. Uh, but that's not why we're here today <laughs> to talk about a two-year-old movie. Uh, Although mo- we easily could. Yeah. Last week was American Thanksgiving. Um, it was a big weekend. Uh, like big we football said, weekend. Big football Man was weekend. out there. I was in Michigan for the Michigan-Ohio State game. Uh, it's rivalry week in NCAA. The NFL just has Thanksgiving. It was a good weekend, actually, for me because the Cowboys won on Thanksgiving. And then I went to go watch Michigan, which is my favorite college team. And they also beat Ohio State, which is fun. And that was that isn't that what Thanksgiving's all about? Just football. It's about beating people. Just football. <laughs> beating people. <laughs> um, no, but um, uh, last week we said that we had six movies. We divided them into three, three. Yeah. And so the three movies that we addressed last week were The Hunger Games, The uh, Next Goal Wins, and the movie Thanksgiving itself. I am moving around with my water bottle because I want to take a sip. And I just and I'm see waiting. that I didn't bring me. I didn't bring my water bottle. Do you want water? I'll get water later okay. after the first segment because, okay. you know, we try to be organized. <laughs> okay. Um, and then these we, this week's three movies were Saltburn, Napoleon, and Disney's Wish. About that. Yeah, there's one movie that's way more important to us at this point because we saw it uh, together. Yeah, which <laughs> um, in hindsight, now that we've seen it, it's kind of weird. I would have never watched it together. No, nope. well, I would have. It's, yeah, just, a, it's, it's just okay. a movie. So, yeah. but um, Saltburn, and I wrote down on the notes that we share our joint notes that we prepare for each podcast because the title the title is really uh, the Saltburn episode because. Um, do you remember the first thing I told you when we finished watching it? I think it was like a... Like it was like a five minute delay since the credits rolled. Mm-hmm. We just kind of walked around in silence. But eventually I said something. Wait, what I, the I fuck talked. did I just watch? No, I said, even... I said, for better or for worse, these are why movies are made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this movie feels like. For those who don't know what Saltburn is, you want to give them like a little bit of rundown? Stars Barry Keoghan yeah, and Jacob Yeah, basically it's the story of a... Um, of like students in Oxford... And the two main characters, uh, which are in the movie Felix and uh, what's the name of the other guy? Ollie. Um, Ollie and Felix. And, Oliver's the main character. Yeah, Oliver's yeah, the main yeah. character. And basically, it's the it's a relationship that Oliver tries to build with this like unreachable, super famous guy Felix. And by the middle of the movie, they end up being friends. And he in Felix invites him over into like his parents' estate. Yeah. And from there on, which is named. It was just located in the town of yeah. Saltburn, yeah. And so from there, what happens is basically... Full-on fucking it, debauchery! Exactly. <laughs> it's... What the fuck? And the problem with explaining that movie is as much as you could give someone, like, a clear idea of what it, it's all about, the truth is you can't really because it's so convoluted that even if you try to explain one way, you know that you're wrong because it doesn't necessarily go that way. And we'll go further yeah. into that later. But, like... 
It's a tricky movie it's, to analyze. It's, it's a tricky movie to talk it about. It has a lot of good things going for it. It has a lot of really bad things going yeah, for it. Yeah, for sure. But it's a tricky movie to talk about, so let's, let's, well, let's fucking that's, let's talk that's about it. That's why we're going to name this, the episode The Saltburn episode. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Essentially, like, Saltburn is, like, at first glance, what you can see at the surface level, like, from a trailer, beautifully shot. Yep. A 4-3 aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting stars in this movie. You're getting... Young very, actors that are really good. Young, up-and-coming, great actors. You're getting mm-hmm. Jacob Ellard. Jacob is probably established right now. Yeah, but I think by when they shot that movie, he probably... He's having a year. He's, He's uh, having a hell, hell of a year. year. He's a beast. Uh, Barry Keoghan getting like a starring role, mm-hmm. which is fun because he's been around like loops of supporting roles, but he has yet to like come into his own with a like a triple A title starring. Would you role. consider that movie a triple A? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is. It, it, but like quality, it, like the output is. But I don't know. If... I don't know. Like it's a Hollywood movie. It's okay, not it, like an independent mm-hmm. film. It's made by Twenty Century Fox and oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah 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 blah. It is. It, it, it went to it's go it's it's worldwide theaters. It's not like it's limited. Mm-hmm. It's, I would call it AAA. Like it's gonna it it's reached a level where it, like it's involved in discussions it's in and social media. It's yep. it's popular enough. Um, so right off the bat, yeah, you see that they play with colors. You see it's written by uh, Emerald Fennel, if I'm not mistaken. I really don't want to fuck up her name. Like fennel as in like the plant? No, no. Like a fennel seed? Fe- no, fennel as in the girl's name. The no, I know, but like the name, is it like fennel, like fennel seed or like fennel or another no. thing? I, well, I'm going to tell you. Salt burn. What the fuck? My phone. This is not good. That's what happens when you record in the dungeon. <laughs> Emerald. No, but normally we work. I don't understand. I'm, I, I, I'm gonna call her Emerald Fennel because I think that's her you name. You know what? I'll try it out. I'm on a Siri. Saltburn, the movie. Even Siri's struggling. What's wrong with Emerald the Fennel? Yeah, yeah. Emerald that's Fennel? That's the director. The She's director. The director yeah. And writer. Uh, yeah, because yeah. she, she does both. Yeah. Uh, the only movie she has under her belt before that is Promising Young Women, I believe, as a writer director. Yeah. That movie has, like, a, it, it's odd. Her movies are odd. They're not um, safe movies. They're pretty edgy. But they're, they're rated, like, the last one she did was rated really high. Yeah, Promising a Woman is, is, is a good yeah. movie. They're good. It's good. Not that Saltburn is, is dog water, but... But it ain't... It ain't it's not, it, it's not it that... It's no. not that great. Anyway, like I was just saying, Surface Level, directed, written by Emerald Fennel, Barry Keoghan, Jacob Eller, do you see Rosemont Pike in the trailer? <laughs> I just read <laughs> one of your topics. Les gens ont tellement de carré. Yes, okay. <laughs> We're going to get into that. So, like, colors, framing. Obviously, this movie... Sc- what I get from the trailer is this movie screams, like, we're posh. Yeah. Like, it's like, look how fancy. Look how fancy. And then when you actually sit down to watch it, you could tell that the movie is trying to um, use that to its detriment in a way it's like look how fancy we are but look how fancy people are just assholes Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what they're doing um you did the plot pretty well essentially it's uh they go to oxford and then just they kind of tries to be a friend yeah um where do we start is this movie good overall oh good overall uh I'd say it's a pass. It's it's a pass, but it's not for everyone. Warranted a six point two on uh, mm-hmm. on the on the Instagram page. That's a pass to me. Mm-hmm. I and although on Letterbox you didn't give it that. 
What I gave two and a half stars. Two and a half stars. Ooh, Although it's not represented. Three stars. Yeah, you'd have to give it. Three yeah. Stars. Okay. So. But like the two and a half stars didn't surprise me, but they it was appropriate because I gave it three stars. But in hindsight, I would have liked to give it like a fifty-eight. If it was I, me, I gave it a six point two because to me, there's enough good things to pass, and I feel like we can go through the good things faster. So yep. I'd, I'd start with that. And I think we should elaborate on the good things because when we once we get to like the deep of it, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, the good things, first act, incredible, phenomenal, incredible, uh, set up well in the you're set up in Oxford. Yeah, you got this guy who's pretty introverted he has no friends he's looking for friends he befriends uh jacob ellerty mm-hmm. and this guy who tries to give him a country a, cr- a crunchy bar yeah and just uh, <laughs> that character gets forgotten so fast mm-hmm. and although i'm kind of glad not important really, not important anyway um yeah befriends ellerty kind of gets to go to saltburn and i'd say until he leaves for saltburn that first mm-hmm. act that all happens in oxford that deals with uh him revealing things about himself his his trauma Mm -hmm. his like his uh, his life story and you get like an understanding that jacob ellerty is the popular rich guy but he is not a bad human that's what you understand right off the Mm -hmm. bat and just the way they interact and the relationship are built in that first act deserves all the credit that we could possibly give like eh, i was thoroughly hooked for that first 35 to 40 minutes emerald fennel what she wrote when she made that first act her pen must have been on fire because it was literally like the dialogue was Mm -hmm. engaging it was spot on the story beat so well and then you're building up anticipation for him to finally get to go to saltburn Mm -hmm. because you know it's gonna happen and then he gets there but before we get there i just want to mention quickly yeah the intro sequence for that movie I don't want to like jump on the gun right away. You're talking about the opening credit, the opening, the opening title, opening the, title, the, title like yeah. the first five minutes, the way yeah. they introduce the movie, yeah. has to be in my top three best opening. Oh, it's of sick. All time. It's, it's more cool. than sick. It's I was engaged, and you the way it was not narrated, and the way they brought upon mm-hmm. the characters was so personable and mm-hmm. reach for your soul right mm-hmm. away in a sense that they really tried to emphasize the fact that they're humans. Yeah. And unconsciously, I don't know why. I just it's rare to me, for me to like watch a movie and that for that to happen. And so I had to mention it. Yeah, no, it, it, they do. Like I said, Emerald Fennel when she develops her characters mm-hmm. in the first act, it's beautiful. And you know, to touch to keep with the good stuff, uh, Kyogen, Elodi, Rosemont Pike, who only comes into the film at Saltburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the three performances in my eyes. That no matter how um, this movie ends up being, they deserve mm-hmm. over they, overachieving credit. Yeah. Like, they grew outside the scope of the movie. Oh, they, they were like, so much. They, they were. They made the movie. There comes a point where I will talk. We'll talk about it more later. Where this movie becomes somewhat like intolerable mm-hmm. to the eye. But since you're looking at what they're though these actors, you're like. Yeah, these guys can still... They're still pulling this off. Even mm-hmm. if how how disturbing or how... Because, yes, even, this yeah, movie well, is disturbing. Yeah. But these actors are that Des- good. Despite how, like, how sour things turn, yeah. the actors still shine through. Oh, yeah. And that's when you know great. that it's, like, a testament to their skills. T- to me, it's Kyogen, Ellerty, Pike. Send them to the Academy. Although the yep. Academy's not going to probably take them. Nope. Because fuck the Academy. Exactly. But these guys are that Our good. Our Academy. The, we're taking them. them. Yeah. You guys were great. And you guys deserve like... All the praise. All, all the praise. praise and jobs. Like uh-huh. keep going. Um, 
The colors. Yeah, yeah. Everything technical about this mm-hmm. movie is pretty cool. I'd say the framing, not necessary. Not that we can address later, but yeah. like, let's keep, let's stay with the positive. The positive, the colors are the cool. The colors are cool. Use of color yeah. is amazing. The lighting is hit or miss, but when it hits, it's incredible. But to me, the lighting is never missed because it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, okay, then it's a Some scenes are extremely yeah. dark, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mean dark as in no, a subject. Let me but give you an example then for the yeah. people that haven't seen the movie. Yeah. And there's this scene, like, picture. Harry Potter one when Harry Potter walks into the banquet for the first time. Yeah. Picture that scene, but you turn down the brightness to like 10%. Yeah. You don't see shit. You don't see anything. And it's like three minutes yeah. where that scene lasts, where Kyogen's just basically walking around the table trying to find a place to sit down. Yeah, and, it's very dark. And the fact that you can't see outside because there's a storm going on, like, yeah. whatever. It's like, to me, it's a poor choice, but that's my personal opinion. I get that they wanted it to be, like, symbolically, like, he's trying know. to find his I way. I don't know. But... Okay, so that's the thing, and I don't want to... I guess, you know, we talk about the use of color. I think the way that shots are composed in this movie is nice. The composition of, a, of the way things look mm-hmm. on screen. Everything is nice. Yeah. Everything is artsy. But they're but... working with a hell of a set. Yes. But yeah. I got to touch on what you're saying, but I got to be negative about mm-hmm. it. So that's pretty much what's positive about this movie. And these the positives take that movie and raise it up so high mm-hmm. and then you just deduct points for what is yeah. negative. I so, say... I'm curious to see if you want to try this out. Yeah. Remove all the negative, okay? And keep only the positive. Where would that movie stand? Well, the movie, the problem is not... The problem yeah, is that you have no movie. My goal is... We'll get to that later. <laughs> but what I'm saying is... No, you have no movie without the negative. Yeah, but... If you take only what's positive, you have just actors reading a, yeah, reading a script. What I meant was, example, that movie's a 92, and we try to deduct point to get to that score. Like, I, well, the like way, we have a negative, we deduct five points for that. We have this yeah, okay. negative, well, we the way Well, the way I go about reviewing movies is that every movie to me starts at a 10. Okay. I do the driving test type mm-hmm, of thing, where mm-hmm. everything starts at 100%. And then, okay, okay, remove, Okay, then remove, let's do it remove. that way. Start it with a 10. Yeah, we pointed out all the positives. We pointed out all the positives. Now I gotta start chopping some down. Chop, start chopping trees. Yeah. Um, oh, do you have one? Well, I, I'm like, gonna start with the fact that the what, what what happens in the first act does not carry on for the rest of the movie. You kind of just if it doesn't just fall, it falls off a fucking cliff. Mm-hmm. Like it, it shatters and bangs. This movie went off the rails. I was completely disengaged. That, that, to me, right away, you dock, like, two points. Yep. If you can't keep me engaged, but you have great acting, the acting is keeping me more engaged in your story. Is, mm-hmm. That's an issue to yep. me. That was the same problem I had when I sat down and watched Don't Worry, Darling, mm-hmm. where the actors... Are, uh, Actress. Florence Pugh <laughs> is keeping me more engaged than with your story is. Mm-hmm. And Chris Pine. Chris yeah, Pine's Chris fucking Pine. phenomenal. <laughs> I love Chris Pine. Um, Another thing, though, we got to yeah. add... You said minus two. Yeah. We're going to add 0.5 because the dialogue was really well written, in my opinion. The dialogue, I didn't... The script was well written. Emerald yeah. Fennel wrote well. Uh, that's a positive. Okay, you already put Minus two because your story makes no fucking sense after like, a while. You know that the movie is up to a rough start when every single act could have been a completely unique movie and you wouldn't have seen the link between all three no. movies. It's like that's an issue. The way I explained that is like I said, it fell off the rails, but eventually it brought me back and I was like, okay, because this movie, this movie treats itself as if it's so much smarter than its audience, but 
It's not. You're, you it not. are just talking to talk at that point. Like, you're talking to make noise. You're not saying anything. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're just trying to be impressive, but you're not being impressive. This movie, and, and we both got in the car, and we, we do, after we watch movies, we see what the... I want to say our peers, but they're not because they don't. They're not at that level. But the people in the in the in the industry media yeah. space are saying. So we look at what Chris Duckman. I don't think he made a review. We look at Jeremy Johns if he made a review. But then we look at Carson Runquist if and he made a review. So we sat mm. down and watched his. It was like eight minutes, fifteen yep. minutes long. They're always around that time, and he was so spot on about what he said when it came to this movie. And he said. Um, and I was knew what he was gonna say, and then I blanked. It was on a it. Gen Z. Uh, yeah, he called it. He said. Yeah. He said that that is what the people would want to see. Mm-hmm. Eat, uh, fuck the rich Gen Z yep. movement. That's fine. I was gonna say that. Um, fuck, he had a certain clip that I had in my head that I don't have anymore. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. It's, it's, like... it's about the way that the movie. Oh, oh, he says. He says this movie is erotica thriller. It wants to be a mystery movie. Mm-hmm. It wants to be a coming of age character movie it, it it wants to win an oscar mm-hmm. is what he says that you could tell so blatantly that this movie is like fuck it we will throw everything at the wall and see if it sticks mm-hmm. buddy emerald fennel oscar winning movies throw one great thing at the wall and it sticks and they do that great thing so well that it's undeniably great throwing a bunch of okay things at a wall makes what is an okay movie. There's nothing special about this. At least this. we know that she watches hockey because she just quoted the great. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Literally though. Yeah. And uh, to me, this movie is all over the place, but it's still going in a narrative direction. But then there's just these scenes that are supposed to be all in on the shock value. Give yeah, I have a few questions about those scenes before we tackle them because this is a negative in my eyes any movie that sacrifices real substance for shock value and there's three Mm -hmm. shock value scenes i'd say two out of the three are completely uh, unnecessary none of them are necessary but there is something that can be taken from them in the narrative but is there a need to have it be that graphic Mm -hmm. that's what i'll say my first point about those three things before we dig into them, literally, is that first oh, off, for, yeah, that's yeah, a poor choice of words. That's a poor choice of words. We'll dig see. into them. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, although we said that they lack like any sort of like link to the original plot, the real issue I have with those scenes is that they're not tied to the way the characters are portrayed and played yes. throughout the movie. You're getting an inconsistency and, in development, and that's when you see. The first issue with those scenes is the fact that it was a director's idea and was like, I need to slap this in. I need to shock somebody. Although my movie is not suited for that and is not going in that direction, I need to put that scene in. Should we just say what the three scenes are? Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll run through them if you want. It doesn't matter. The first scene... How graphic can we go? It's spoilers for sure. Yeah, yeah. Although this movie's been out for a while and if you were really interested to see the scene, now you could see it now. Mm. I am going to say... Just I'm gonna call it like it is. In the first scene, you're kind of grasping that Barry Cuban's character has a certain infatuation with Jacob Ellery's character. Yeah. He watches him masturbate in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Then, when 
Elodie leaves the room, Kyogen jumps into the bathtub and kind of slurps out the remnants of the bath water and all slash semen yeah. uh, from the bottom of the drain. Sticking his tongue in the drain. Mm -hmm. It's extremely graphic and it lasts maybe a little bit longer than it should. They really try to linger on that moment. Yeah. They're trying to shock you. They're like, look at this low, look how low he's going. Mm -hmm. But but again. But like, for uh, we know he likes him. Mm -hmm. We know he's he's infatuated by him. He's obsessed with the guy mm -hmm. at this point in the movie. So they're letting, leading you on to believe. Is it all that necessary? I understand what I have to pull from it narratively. Yes. But I didn't need to see that. Not in the 4-3 ratio. No. And she picks the most close-up shot to do this scene and the most weird, weird noises. I just, I couldn't, at one point I was like, I can't deal with it. Uh, second shock scene, because this is probably the movie I've seen that involves the most, like, intent to shock mm -hmm. scenes that are so obvious yeah like they're obviously trying to shock you it's mm -hmm. not like because uh, again like they they stick out like a sore tongue yeah they, exactly they, they just don't fit oh yeah they don't fit at all um the second scene involves a uh, vampire yeah he uh, basically barry kyogen's character calls himself a vampire mm -hmm. and decides to uh uh, deliver cunnilingus <laughs> to uh, a woman while Elardy's she's on sisters. her period. Yeah, uh, Barry, uh, no, Jacob Ellardy's character. Yeah, sister. sister, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, she's uh, on her period. Um, the, again. Do you, man? But the problem is that they do it in a way that's extremely graphic, as in mm -hmm. there's, uh, I don't want to be so obvious, but there's like a, blood all over his face. That's mm -hmm. what I will say. And they make it very obvious and they show it off. Like, yeah. They tr she tries to, Emerald Fennel tries to do it in a way that it makes it so artsy. Mm -hmm. She's like, look at this. Mm -hmm. Look at the blood. Like, <laughs> I couldn't deal. It's almost as if, like, uh, she's trying to go, like, euphoria-esque, like, out-of-body experience. Euphoria is not even that shocking. I know, but in a sense it. that they try, they're trying to go, uh, like, uh, the intent is there, where she's trying to, like, push that scene in that action further, like, bloom in a, in yeah. a way. Yeah. But it doesn't it, work. because It it's... doesn't work for me because in that scene you have Kyo Kyogen's character showing off this extreme like... Out of body like, charisma. boy-esque yeah. confidence that he just never showed in the nope. entire movie. And now you meet tell me you're going to do this and you're going to walk around with that on your face. Because pretty much if you put two and two together, that scene happens outside and he makes his way back to his room, which is on the second floor at the other wing mm -hmm. of Saltburn. And you walk was through... right underneath his window. I thought that was the first scene where he goes to see her outside with the, with the thing. Oh no, it is underneath his window. Mm -hmm. Regardless, you got to walk back there with yep. your face looking like that. It's and he nasty. still got caught. Yeah. Yeah. But he, like, he didn't believe him. I didn't it's just, a, it's just, and then there's a third scene that involves, uh, um, um, a tombstone and, and a like, penis. Yeah, he fucks a tombstone <laughs> to say the least. It's disturbing. Again, there is something narrative to pull from it, but it seems movies that just this movie just sends shock for shock, mm -hmm. and to me that doesn't work in the way that it it, it should. No, nope. and although um, people could go ahead and like deconstruct those scenes and like try to defend how like relevant they are to the narrative, at the end of the day, although we need to acknowledge the fact that we see the intent of Emerald's like yeah. idea. Yeah. It just doesn't pan out the way she think it is. Cause truth be told, it disconnects you even further from the narrative. Yeah. Those characters are just even less realistic than they were to begin with. 
because uh, well, they were until they got the saltburn but as soon as saltburn hits it's basically like a fantasy tale of no, well, epic to, proportions. to me to me it's the fact that every time that emerald fennel makes her scenes go a step further it's a step in the wrong direction so two step forward one step back. as we said there's that scene the first shock value scene with the bathtub he watches him and then does that. Yeah. If they would have cut the scene after she, after he just watches him, you need, all, you know, all you need to know about that situation. But she's like, no, he's gonna go find it. He well, find it. He's gonna drink it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Yeah. I was just if, like, it's too much because like you understand what 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 the point of the scene I, is. I'll, I'll, as much as I think it might be too much, it's too much because there's two other scenes that are like that afterwards. If it was the only shocking scene of that movie. It's going to sound weird, but I might have think it was a good idea. But the, the other ones sound forced. The other ones... The only one to me is a, is that is a, is is a moderate to decent idea is the last one. The tombstone one. But that, that to me would, is only working because of what happened before. Because imagine... So you're saying does, it's a trade-off. Go, it's a trade-off. You need the shock yeah. to make this behavior seem more acceptable exactly. going forward. But the problem is that what... What the character is in between the shock scenes is nothing like he is during the shock scenes. You all right? Oh, your mom is you okay. My mom is calling. I'll be right back. It's okay. Thank you. We are low. The scene you had to build up of the scenes. No, it's the in between of the shock, mm-hmm. which is fucked up. Like he's so, and all the shock scenes involve Kilgan's character, mm-hmm. Ollie. He is so tame, and so boring. Not boring, but no, he's but, he's low key. He's yeah. introverted. He's he's quiet. He just kind of glides by in between every scene. And then you have him do these things that are so out of pocket, in order to make it more acceptable. Like it doesn't work to it doesn't work for me. If and, and, we knew from the get go that his character was twisted and like I don't know with like uh, they alluded to it the entire movie. No man, the, I'm the, sorry. the only it time was, it was one of the worst plot twists I've seen. I agree. What I'm saying is, they, for it to fix it, they would have had to make his character way more obvious. Yeah. And way more weird. Although, like, there's some scene when he's in Oxford where he acts extremely weird. He's awkward. He's, but he's no, but like except a when nerd. he stares out of the window. But he's being awkward. I'm sorry, but... I, no, I, yes, when he's looking at the guy from the window, yeah, yeah sure. But it... it Again, that's looking out the window is not the same as 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 slurping the toilet bowl, the, like, yeah, the bathtub yeah, yeah. drain. Like, come on. Um, I will say, you know, this what this movie to me like lacks is just uh, a proper direction of what it's trying to accomplish. Oscar-winning movies do have shock scenes, some of them. But they know where they're going. They know where they're. They know how to use them. They know where they're going, and they make sure that their characters don't get completely lost in the way. This movie, like I said, it lost me when it started to use its shock because I was like, oh, these characters are not. They don't. These are not the characters. Nope. I, this is not the character I've seen for the first act. But then it was like, it tries to put itself back together with the, with its with the third act and eventual like um, plot twist reveal where it's like. Uh, you know, oh, this is why he's been doing this this entire time. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I, no, I was like, I was that like, is so lazy. Mm-hmm. And that is so, that is such a lazy way to integrate shock value scenes into a movie. Because mm-hmm. that's really what they're for. I'll go for as me. far as to say that it's a lazy way to fix your movie. Yeah, well, 100%. Because like they, it really shows that as soon as the third act 
hits. It's like everything goes into high gear, not because they want to ramp up the like stakes, just because they need to get to the end. Yeah, they gotta close. They gotta close Be- somehow. Yeah, because I, and I, I, I don't yeah. worry, darling. Yeah, didn't do that, and that was a problem. That movie did it too much, and that was also a problem. Because in Don't yeah. Worry, Darling, if we were comparing the two, yeah, third act comes on, same speed as the first, and the last ten minutes. It all unfolds. This There's is, one car well, chase. She gets out of the matrix. Yeah, that's that. Don't get me wrong. This is to me. This is this is my don't worry, darling of this year. Mm-hmm. I think Don't Worry, Darling was 2022. Yep, that was last year. I and what I say by that, and you're gonna. I or don't know if I mentioned it. 2021. No. Yeah, I really? think. Yeah, we talked about it. Really? Yeah, because 2022, like I was in uni with you. But don't doesn't matter. And I was in CJEP when we went to see Don't Worry, Darling. Fuck. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, maybe. All right, whatever. Uh. Well, when was her loss? By Drake and Twenty Savage. Twenty twenty two. Twenty Twenty Savage. Wow, that's awful. Twenty Savage. <laughs> twenty Savage. Are you sure? Yeah, because this year was uh, his new album. No, no, I'm talking about Drake. I'm talking about Don't Worry, Darling. And what, what's the point of her loss? Because I, because I remember making, uh, seeing it like at the same time. No, but it was winter 2021. Don't worry, darling, it was not winter. I swear to God. Whatever, whenever it came out. We walked out the theater, it was cold as balls. It was like September. It came, no, out, it came out in September. But we went to see it late because it, it was out, cold as balls. I went to see it to preview. I went to see it right away. The reason why, because I was so uh, okay, excited. So you, okay, for but that on movie. a second watch, you went with me. No. I we went the first day. We were downtown in September. I'm telling you, September 20th. Cause it came up Dude, how is it so cold in Montreal at that time of the year? Like it's always fucking cold. It's, like it's freezing fucking outside. I think it's minus 20. I wanted that. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, what I mean, and I'm sure I've referenced the movie before on this show. Don't Worry Darling was like the movie I was like the most excited for in my entire existence. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this plot is amazing. Olivia Wilde is directing. Florence Pugh. Chris Pine. Uh, Harry Styles questionable, but fuck it. And I was like so excited. And I sat down and I was let down in every possible. Might try to gaslit his way for the entire year, telling himself this movie's better than people are making it to be. It, no, to be fair, it is. It is, but but uh, it's not good. It's not good. It's not very good. Uh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. This and this year. movie is the same thing to me. I was like, this is going to be great. Kyogen, Ellerty, sit down, watch it. Disappointment all around. It, we should cover the plot twist because that truly like seals the deal. Yeah, well, yeah, well, essentially the 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 plot is just a bunch of weird shit that essentially tries to get that Emerald Fennel decides to tie together at the end by saying uh, he was trying to do it all along because his idea was that if he could infiltrate Saltburn, he'd get to run it one day. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what it is. What the fuck? Who the fuck thinks of that? Like, how do you go from like a like homoerotica movie where a guy literally oh, yeah, slurps. I forgot. I forgot yeah. it's a homoerotic. Exactly. <laughs> not, not that there's anything no, wrong with that, but I was like, fact. it's not just an erotic no. filler. It's a homoerotic. So how do you go from that to I'm gonna eat the rich, get your whole estate, kill everyone in your family, and somehow run this shit as if it was my own house yeah, yeah, and just yeah. dance naked for yeah. two minutes at the end? Yeah, that's something that has to be mentioned too. Uh, there's an entire sequence, a dance sequence at the end that involves Barry Kyogen going through the house naked, mm-hmm. full frontal and everything. Dicks are swinging. Yep. 
Like, there's nothing, there's no other way to put it. He just does it. Mm-hmm. And it, you're, you... Imagine the full helicopter. Yeah. Helicopter. <laughs> yeah, they just make you sit there and watch it. Which, they, no one makes you watch it, but you do you, watch you it. You paid for it, so like... Uh... It's just... It's a... That's how I feel. You know what I'm concerned about? Yeah. The fact that this movie was, like, brought down from an M.A. to an R rating. Yeah, I read somewhere that this movie is supposed to be, like, uh, adults only, and it got to an R rating. Granted, those disturbing scenes are well enough to justify an R rating. Yep. But what was was what was worse? Like, what, yeah. what was the cut that was... Anyway, what did she write? I don't know. I would love to read the script of mm-hmm. Saltburn to understand, like, what was the vision and what did it come out as on screen. I, as for that, the plot twist, which is, yeah, like we said, it's basically, you know, that's just the way that it crumbles. The guy just kind of, it's revealed that it was his plan all along mm-hmm. to befriend them and to, uh, it, but it's so lazy to me because he never showed that. Yeah. What, what is so good about a good plot twist? Take, I want to, I have one for that movie specifically. A comparison? No, like that movie, in that movie, there's a scene that deserves all the praise for a plot twist. And is and it is when Jacob Elordi brings back Keoghan to his real house. Yeah, to me, and then it revealed that his parents are alive. Yeah, because basically... Everything that he's told them he, is a lie, essentially. Because he got close to Elordi's character by saying to him, Oh, my mom's a drug addict, by, my yeah, dad's not by there. Being, and by he's by like, trying he, to fake, falsify trauma. Yeah. And so from there... Lurdy like basically tries like as a good friend is like I'm gonna try to like fix this for you and try to like make you feel better yeah. about your family but in doing so unveils the truth that he lied the whole time he lied the whole time that's a good plot twist mm-hmm. and that scene was that's the best scene that's the best scene of the movie because it's down. the best it's the well acted scene it's the Lordy and Kyo like like mm-hmm. they're amazing in that scene and that's when you see that this movie when everything goes right was about to be what she expected it to be which is an oscar winning movie yeah if If, everything goes right yeah but but nothing goes right nothing goes right it it all goes to shit because because like you just said there's that scene where he goes and reveals it that's a plot twist Mm -hmm. that they never use ever again they did to transition to the third act which which is another plot twist for no reason it's another like this movie is doing all these twists and turns to try to like like imagine you know you know at La Ronde mm-hmm. when we went there's a ride called le, 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 uh, quelque chose nordic yeah, yeah, it's a nordic yeah, it's a le, yeah, yeah. Le, anyway it's like a little foursome little carriage ride where you sit and it basically takes you and it does these tight turns just for thrills it makes you feel like you're going off the edge that's how tight these movies twist and turns are anybody who knows La Ronde knows the Tobaga Nordic mm. it's, it's old you tuk 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 like you literally turning ninety degrees, and it literally like whoa! It's fun! It's fun! This is like that movie is like if that roller coaster never worked. Mm-hmm. It, you fall right off the edge every time it turns. It's like they you fall right off the edge and then it picks you up and it puts you back on the track and then you fall right off the it's edge. It's as again. if you play Mario Kart, but every time you take a turn, you go off. The it's track. like it, it's like yeah, the, literally the, the little the little squirrel like squirrel thing like just. Yeah, you're like you think you're fucking going somewhere, and the next thing you know, you get a squid. Mm-hmm. It splatters at you. Yeah, you fall off the cliff. Exactly. <laughs> like that's literally what this movie is. It's mm-hmm. it. If the transition from that second act, which basically is the reveal of that plot twist, yeah. went into a real movie psychological trauma that follows the same thing, and you didn't have the whole party thing, you didn't have the whole debauchery, the whole everyone dies. I think this movie would have gone 
way beyond expectation. I thought from that, there's that, okay. So essentially, the way the movie unfolds is that there's that scene mm-hmm. where it's revealed that uh, Oliver, who's Kyogen's character, has lied yep. to to LRD, and then it goes back to Saltburn where he LRD tells him basically, "Today is your birthday, and they plan the party for you. You were doing your party, and then tomorrow morning you're fucking leaving." Mm-hmm. That that acting, first of all, in that scene is is magnificent. Incredible. Writing is great. Mm-hmm. Then the party happens. The party's a good scene. The party is a good scene until the next morning. Yeah. Because the next morning is where this movie kind of falls off for me. Because, it fall, well, sorry, it falls off again. And for good this time. Mm-hmm. When he goes, there's a sequence that involves um, Oliver going up to Felix in yep. the maze. Mm-hmm. And they talk. That scene is great. That's great if they would have taken it in the direction that you feel like it's going at that point. But then they're like, no, plot twist. And it's just... The plot twist is not what the movie was let out to be. No. Nope. And for once, the movie should have just been what it was supposed to be. It should have just gone on with the characters trying to deal with each other, trying to, uh, what's his name, trying to understand his place in the world. I preferred Barry Keoghan's character when he was innocent, lame, mm-hmm. faking it, than when he was hyper-confident, douchebag. Yep. Uh, trying to take over the world because he just played. He was more full. realistic, and not even that. Just it is his character. That's how they played him for the entire movie, mm-hmm. and then every five, every sorry, that's how they played him over two hours and thirteen minutes. Except you divide that, in in, in and then you have three minute intervals every once in a while that involves him being like macho. Mm-hmm. It's just stupid. It, the character development is sloppy. The acting, however, is phenomenal. The writing is is great. The direction is not great. Nope. If Emerald Fennel would have wrote this script and not directed this movie, maybe you would have had a better movie. Mm-hmm. Until Which then, is sad to say, but it no, is I have no problem saying that. Some mm-hmm. people to write a killer script is hard yeah. in itself. She wrote a killer script. I feel like she got in her own way when it came to directing, though. So that's not a bad thing. No, nope. and it's okay. Every every director sometimes makes a bust. Mm-hmm. And this movie's not even that bad of a bust because there's so much good stuff. Yep. And we didn't, although of, we didn't really name all the positives, we're mm-hmm. kind of going back and forth at this point. But there's a lot of good stuff yep. to take, but there's a lot of misses, and the misses just mm-hmm. outweigh the good in this movie. Yep. It's a showcase of how like you have potential, but you need to work on your craft even yeah. more. Not writing wise, but if you want to expand into directorial roles, I, I would I would say that she's a good director. Her her, her promising young woman yeah, is a good. She movie. directed that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She, she's a great. She's a good director. It's she just, just this movie is extremely it's convoluted complex. and complex to mm-hmm. direct. And she wrote such a great script, but I feel like she was not able to translate it. Kind of translate it in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. I think if Saltburn was a novel. Would have been it yeah. would have been sick, mm-hmm. but it's not a novel. It's just it's a story. It's a movie. So we should try to find the script. It's hard to come. I I would love to read mm-hmm. it. Um, do you have any award predictions for Saltburn? Um, my I, like, awards? all around the all around the movie. Do you see this movie going to compete for any awards at any level? I, I see actors going to compete. Yeah, I only see actors and set see de- and set design. But again, the thing I have with that movie in terms of set design is that it's. Yeah, you agreed with Karsten Rundquist. The 4-3 yeah, ratio, four, three doesn't, ratio doesn't work at all. And as far as what I meant by set design, it's is they didn't go above and beyond to make it incredible because it's already incredible. They yeah. just cho- chose good locations. Yeah. It's as if I gave like Star Wars best set design because they found Tatooine. Like they just landed in a desert. <laughs> yeah, like, they so filmed like, it in the desert. So yeah. I'm like, okay, fine, it's really suitable. Like 
it's not mind blowing no. level of like involvement into creating not, that not set. when you compare it to a Killers of the Flower Moon exactly. or an Oppenheimer uh, where the whole mm, world is built, built like, and that's, like yeah. they create a literal town. No, for sure, yeah. And so for that, I don't think it'll win. So but for my actors? awards, I really want to see Kyogen get like the praise he deserves. Be nominated for like yeah, the best actor. Although Elordi played his role of gentle giant, as Ronquist said. Yeah, he does play a gentle giant role. He's very good at it. It was magnificent to see. Yeah. Kyogen's role was... Well, I just I don't see any other actor that could have pulled it off the way he did. No, he did such a good job. He More than a good job. I was like thoroughly blown away that despite all the flaws in that movie, that character is still... And whole. despite all the flaws with his character. Yeah. Like, you could tell when a character is poorly executed, mm. but the actor is following, going down with the ship. He's giving everything he has, yeah. even though it's fucked up. Uh, for so that you alone, only have Kyogen. I have Kyogen, and maybe as a supporting actress. Sorry, I forgot her name. Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. The mother. The mother. Yeah, we didn't talk about her so much. No. She's hilarious yeah. in this movie. She's great. Mm -hmm. uh, her act, like, I fell in, I literally, she's my favorite character in the movie, after Elodie, most likely, because I find that Kyogen's is too sloppy. Elodie's character is great, well executed. Her character is the second best executed character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like within the first yeah, three she minutes, has the most. I was like, I love this straightforward character. line. Oh, she's extremely uh, straightforward. She's for that she, it works. No nuance, just like a she's a bullet train going mm -hmm. right through this movie, and she knows exactly when to how to conduct herself in every scene, yeah. depending on who she's with. Like there's that one scene outside with her and uh, Ollie sitting in mm -hmm. the chair. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're, they're talking mm -hmm. just the two of them. I was like, this is great from both of them. Yep, and it's not her being like. The overly flashy, she over just flashy. Does she's just talking thing. to him, yeah. and they're just doing the job, and it's just amazing. And that's and when you know that someone was able to like integrate the character into their person. Yeah. You have no Ellerty going for supporting actor. Would you qualify him as a supporting actor? Yeah, he is. He's not the main character. He would. Be. The problem that I have with his character is not so much that it's. But what about his per performance? His performance is stellar, but I think he did better. You think he's done better? He's done better. It went. Priscilla. Yeah, Priscilla, he's good. And this movie was, uh, although, I, but I, it was written for him. Yeah, but it we, was know, we know something, and here's why I feel like Ellerty gets the edge and he should be, for this movie, not Priscilla. Every single role that Ellerty has done, Ellerty, 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 Ellerty. The guy. Uh, Jacob Ellerty. Is it Ellerty or Ellerty? Ellerty. I feel like, I feel like he's I'm British. British. It's probably like Ellerty. I think he's Australian. Wasn't he British? I don't know. But he acted Maybe in his British, British voice. I thought he was British. He's American in most movies. Yeah, but I thought, I thought uh, he was British. Okay, we'll call him Elordi. Elordi, yeah. I think okay. so. I'm sorry. I butchered I butcher name. Jacob. Jacob. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> no, Jacob Elordi. Essentially, in this film, he is... I feel like... No, sorry. I feel like every role he's in, in the Hollywood landscape, he's almost the same person every time. He is like macho douchebag. Mm -hmm. He is that in Euphoria. Although Euphoria, he is complicated, but he's at the bay at surface. He's got to be an asshole. Elvis is Elvis. He was an asshole in Priscilla. This is the first time you see him be like a gentle human. Mm -hmm. And he did it so well. And it showed that he can do more than just be like an arrogant asswipe. Like he can do this. Like he can yeah. act. So to me, he should be in the conversation of best supporting actor somewhere mm -hmm. along the line. Supporting actor for sure. Yeah, he's but not a main His character. role was a... He played his role perfectly, but yeah. his role had a ceiling to me. It's not like his character was um, extremely hard to act, or although you wouldn't no, expect a supporting actor you, to like be that. 
No, sometimes yes, but I feel like he did like that if, well. If we're to be talking about supporting actors, he, he makes have, it look easy. It makes yeah, but he makes everything he does look easy. So then he deserves the praise for it. Yeah, but That's again, how I, I was see. about to bring back the counterpoint of if you want to talk about supportive actors, supportive actors that to me deserve those roles are either like, um, again I forgot her name. I'm sorry. In Killers of the Flower Moon, Lily Gladstone. Lily Gladstone, like and. An Oppenheimer for um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Because those they roles, go above and beyond. Yes, they're exceptional. Exceptional. There's ten. There's like six nominees. Okay, Even so when you're running out, he'd be a nominee. I think he'd be sure. a nominee. But I don't. Th- I, I'm not saying pick him to win. But yeah, I'm I, saying he should be in that conversation okay. of a best supporting so actor. For that, I agree. With the whole year that he's having, I, you could do a double nomination in my eyes. You could give him Priscilla and this movie. That's how good he is. Mm-hmm. When he's supporting somebody, Again, but I wait. I'm waiting for the day where he takes on like the main character role. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be sick. He can destroy it. Oh, no question. Uh, where do you want him to go then? Like in what best guy? supporting? No, like in the future. I think he could do anything. I think that these guys, Kyogen or Elordi, can do anything. I want to see him in a gangster thriller. Like, I don't know about that. I'm afraid the, about that. Yeah, I'm afraid. But again, if he manages to pull it off. I don't know what he has. I don't know if he signed on for any roles. I can see him in like a Scorsese. Film. That's that's what I was leading to. Like if he can be like that next person going forward. Yeah, you never know, right? It'd be cool. The internet is terrible today. I don't know what the fuck. The perks of being in a basement. No, but normally they're fine. Normally I mean, we have a window right there. The foo-foo. The foo-foo, the wafa. Anyway, uh, another award I'd like to see this go for is uh, Best Screenplay. Can you define screenplay? I'm not sure. I... Just the script. Oh, okay. Script wise, reading. Okay. I read the screenplay. This is a good screenplay. Okay. This is how I see this movie. I think it's all screenplay, no directing. It's let down by everything that is not its writing, and acting. Writing and acting kill this movie. Mm-hmm. Everything else is let down. So best screenplay should be acknowledged because it is a great. It is a very cool story. It's just a poorly executed. Story. Do they give awards to movies like this that have? Yeah. Hundred percent. This is Oscar bait. This is what this movie is. It's a hundred percent Oscar right. bait. Screen, screenplay wise, do they give awards? I'd say yeah, yeah. They give best screenplay. Of course they do. No, like this movie is it in a run? I'd say I, I'd real? like to see it in a run. Realistically, God knows. The Academy is the Academy is the Academy. Yeah, you never know what they're gonna do. Next no. thing you know, they're gonna bust it out for the Trolls Three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, the uh, other movies we were supposed to talk about today were Wish, and we're gonna get into Disney's Wish later, and Napoleon. Uh, bad news for anybody who cares about that movie. We, we have don't. not seen it. We, <laughs> we don't, don't care. Um, but why? I, I would say it's fair to say as we saw it during its rollout, we were hyped. Yes. And but then, who wouldn't be? Ridley Scott at the helm of a Napoleon movie with Hawking Phoenix? Recipe yeah. for success. Okay. And then it's the same reason I'm not hyped anymore. Because we saw... Ridley Scott. Period. Yep. Way to, like, turn an audience away from your film. Ridley Scott, first of all, um, I I don't know. I, I don't know if you remember. In, like, episode three or four, we spoke about Martin Scorsese versus the Zoomers. He yes. had made a whole GQ article yes. where he said, like, you know, and we thought Scorsese was bad mm-hmm. for some of his comments. Ridley Scott is, like, a million fucking times worse. I don't know if I... S- He's... Like, 12 times more toxic, mm-hmm. and it's just fucking annoying. Yep. I don't know if I said that last episode, but I read a comment that was like, 
him and James Cameron should have a like a podcast and just bitch complain, about bitch about everything. And I'm like, this is literally the perfect description of that guy's entire career. It's the guy just went in, did his thing, and looked at everyone else and was like, if you don't like it, you can suck it. Okay. Yes, but it's not. So Ridley Scott is a good director. Yes, he's made great movies. Yes, to say the least. That's for sure. Don't get me wrong. You, you, you're, you're not that guy anymore. Like, but if you are, you're no, not doing it the right no way. No offense, bud. You, you're, you haven't been that guy in a minute. You when made the last movie House of Gucci. Oh, that was. Uh, and then you made the last duel. That Both was of them, okay. They're fine. They're House fine. House of Gucci was mid. They're but, bo- they're all mid nowadays. Yeah, but the last duel. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But you're not. You're not that guy, you're not pal. Him. Like he, he he's and 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 uh, fair to say I was hyped like uh, another period piece with what is considered to be like full of historical inaccuracies and I don't want to be like a re- like like a like a real asshole who's gonna bitch about historical inaccuracies. But I will. No, no. But no. I will. I but have to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. No, 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 no. It's a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Above all, we're supposed to be entertained, but I'm like. People said it's not accurate. You said get a life. Why didn't you not say it's for entertainment? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you not say it's because it's for the love of cinema to recreate these large scale battles on screen to do this to do that? Uh, you know, it's it's the way he's gone about it. Where his promotion of his movie is basically him just trying to be. You gotta um, fit it to like the box I shaped for you, and if yeah, you don't, you if can you just... don't like it, it's your fault because yeah. this movie's good, and you should know that. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie feels like. I have. You no should be it... grateful. I feed you that. Like, uh... you know, I sat down and watched his last two movies. They're filmed in this extremely, uh, m- not monotone, but like earth tone, mm-hmm. l- like vision. Yeah, there's a like filter every, on it. Everything just... is gray. Mm-hmm. His last two movies were the same way. His last two movies are fucking long. They're filled with good acting because his actors want to act for him. Although I've heard that Joaquin Phoenix in this movie is simply just Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. playing Napoleon. There's no accent. There's no No, attempt. there's nothing. There's no attempt to spice it up. It's nope. just... I'm sure the battles look amazing. I'm yeah. sure the film is engaging. I'm just in no rush to go sit down and watch a two-hour and 40-minute movie that Ridley Scott made. I, he's, he fooled me once with the last duel, fooled me twice with House of Gucci. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. Nope. <laughs> like you know, like like. And again, like his... I'm not gonna wait. Eventually, I will watch it, mm-hmm. and maybe by next week we'll have seen it. We'll talk about it. But just it's not happening this week. I'm no. not. We're not. Well, we went to watch Saltburn, and it gave me that feeling of like this we, is what yep. movies are made. I had no interest in going to watch. Uh, Napoleon to be like okay another generic historical mm-hmm. film yeah although it does look very cool mm-hmm. don't get me wrong and the thing is too with uh, I'm not running to the theater no. for it and if it were to be I'm gonna bring back that argument because I think it's important yeah His- historical accuracies are necessary because in a way people want to not necessarily relate but link what they know to what is happening on the screen when they watch a historical movie the same way that every single movie that tries to be i, I think the historical inaccuracies were more so like in battle i don't think it was in battle i think it was the way um his character was 
I don't know. I don't know. I didn't read about I it didn't enough. Read any but articles. from the people that went to see it and told me about it that I know are huge Napoleon nerds, <laughs> they were like history buffs. If yeah. not necessarily history buffs, more mm. so like they love that section of okay. history. Okay. They were like um, the battle scenes are really great, mm. well executed, but as soon as you get it to Napoleon's life. It kind of goes into shamble because mm -hmm. although it is true that in reality he was kind of a sucker for like his wife mm -hmm. Josephine and like mm -hmm. was really go down and do anything. Mm -hmm. In that movie, it feels sort of douchebaggy in a way that Napoleon wasn't. He was just extremely awkward as a human being. Yeah, and so the fact that Joaquin Phoenix plays him like that well, is kind it, of a misdirection. It's a good casting, but he he plays him in a douchebaggy way that is not necessarily that's fitted not that's for... not Joaquin Phoenix's fault. Yeah, I'm that's, to bet it's, it's Ridley Scott. Scott's fault. Who said, let's make Napoleon a badass. And yeah, it's not on. even like, let's just shame him even more. That's what they told me. I they just... were like, Ugh. At one point, there's movies you gotta skip in life. Because I'm, I'm, like, like I said, I'm not skipping it, but there's there's movies you don't have to run to. Nope. There's movies you don't have to run for. We didn't run for Saltburn or anything, but it looked way more interesting mm -hmm. than Napoleon did overall. And what we got is... But we got. Yeah. And, uh, and although what, it but, might sound crazy. But what sucks is that I already know what I'm going to get when I watch Napoleon. Mm -hmm. I know what to expect. I know what I'm going to watch. People are excited. They're like, it's the it's going to be the best movie we've seen in a long time. It looks so good. You clearly. Ridley Scott You is... clearly do not watch enough movies or you don't follow Ridley Scott lately. Ridley Scott is the entryway for people to, into like genre piece. He did it with Gladiator, period which piece. period piece. Yeah. He did it with Gladiator, which to be fair is Gladiator is incredible. Gladiator is an incredible yeah. movie. Alien is Alien incredible. Is an incredible uh, he's movie. made incredible yeah. pieces, and he's like the mainstream entryway to those period piece. The thing is, when people like the normal people yeah. going to watch a movie twice or three times a year in theaters and have to choose, they have the choice between the big headliners or the movie like Saltburn. No, they're going to go see Napoleon for sure. Yeah, so it's, and it, it's just the way it goes. I like, don't blame them. I'm just saying I've I've followed this pattern for, over the yeah. past years. Napoleon, like, you know what I know? You know what I know is like I can talk to like people at my house and they're very excited to watch Napoleon. Yeah. They don't even know who directed it. But if I go on YouTube and I watch, like I mentioned earlier, when I watch Chris Stuckman or Jeremy Johns or Carson Runquist, mm -hmm. they just say the movie's fine. It just is because a movie. Because that's what Ridley Scott makes nowadays. He makes fine movies with fine actors that do just a fine job. He's here for the bag. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, he's not really here for no, the man, bag. Yeah. He still makes movies because he wants to. But yeah, the but like, is at the end, like... he gets the bag and he's just going to make sure the bag is secured. Yeah, he's and... going to make another one. Yeah, and it's just, it is what it is. Oh, like, like, so yeah, when I, when I, when I check and I consult with those videos, those, that information, those reviews, what they have to say, and they're all telling me that it's, you know, it's, it's fine. I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I thought. I thought yeah. it was just going to be fine. Another movie. But those who don't follow movies that much, who don't watch movies that much are going to go ballistic for this because mm -hmm. it's Napoleon. It looks great. It, it it, and it's such a charismatic it looks, figure. It, not it looks great. It looks so grand. Yeah. So big. The spectacle. It's a spectacle. Mm -hmm. But I well, can imagine there's going to be a lot of good. And I can imagine there's going to be a lot of mid. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to result in a movie that is good. We'll watch it. Yeah, one day. One day. I'm not in a rush. Like, not in uh, a rush. As you said, I two hours and 45 minutes of my time to watch this movie, I could use it in a far better. I'd uh, just I'm, watch for a different a mo movie. Exactly. Like, for a movie, like... It's kind of mean when you say it like that, 
But for a movie to not entice you to watch it because of its runtime, that's when you know it. Like it's from not the because of the runtime. It's because well, of I, I don't the wanna... way that it's been rolled out. Yeah, but what I was what I was getting at is that. If you already know from the get-go, you're not down to see it because you know what it's going to be. And it, for the time you're going to sink into it, you'd rather do something else. He had me. He had you until he started like smacking. He had me. I was like, this movie looks that much better than everything else he's put out lately. And then he started to talk. And then I saw reviews. And then I, I was like, no, it's just the same. Mm-hmm. It's just the same crock and nonsense again. It's I was really at, slapped with a nice name on it. Napoleon is cool. I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure it's fine. I will watch it eventually, and I will come back maybe next week on the pod with mm-hmm. a little yeah, bit more yeah. comments on it. But or as suppose, for now, if like, if, well, maybe we'll, maybe it'll say something. But no, I suppose like you'll see the score. And oh yeah, score, there'll be a score yeah, when, the... when it's watched. You'll see the score yeah, scores yeah. up on at Cinecloud C I N E C L W D. I'm on betting on a six point five. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even really care. I'm dreading it. I'm not excited at all. I'm more excited for Godzilla minus one, the Japanese Godzilla movie that's, that's crazy. coming out next week. That's crazy. It looks fucking sick. Have you it seen it? It actually does look. It sick. looks sick. It actually, like the, I saw one clip from the trailer, which was like Godzilla standing in the ocean with like the lightning strike. Oh, it's phenomenal! Like I was like, how? I'm telling you, I'm gonna watch the shit out of that movie. Dude. From the 80s and up, but even before that, like uh, how many freaking Godzilla movie has there been? A lot. Some Same would argue, old Liz. Some would argue too many. <laughs> but it's more fun. Um, yeah, Napoleon, yeah, I'm stirred away from the hype mm. of it. And it's out now. If you want to see it, like let us know what you thought of it in like the comments of yeah, this post. Yeah, are, are, are we right? Are we right to skip it? Are we Do wrong? we skip it? Should we watch it? Probably not skip it entirely, but we, are we in a rush? I don't feel like we are. I'm scrolling. Very away. rarely have we not done this. Have we done this for a movie? I don't think we've ever done this for a movie. No. Nope. Where we come on to the podcast and we're like, this yeah, movie... we made the choice to not watch this yeah. yet. <laughs> like Consciously. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that we cannot watch yet. There's I live... wish we could watch that. What are you talking about? You Oh, you wish you could watch what I'm going to talk about? Live action adaptations are in the works. Um... Why, the right? images from the set of Fallout, the uh, Amazon Prime Do you series. skipped the topic. I'm confused. That's not the topic, man. We're Wish. Right. Wish is later on. It's a movie that, that was released. Yeah, we're, but I'm going to talk about it later because we have a we have a segment. That I wished about it. You, you you wanted to make that joke. Yes. Keep it for later. It breaks my heart. Keep it's it too late. late. Anyway, but you'll be happy to know the images of the Fallout series are released. The yep. Prime Video. I'll never watch it. You sent this to me yesterday. You're like, these look stunning. These look stunning with like a bajillion N in that word stunning. I'll still not watch it because I... I gotta stop for a second. Oh, shit. You said the Fallout images look stunning. Yes. You had my guy Walton Goggins with no nose. So accurate. Did you Google? I did Google it. I Keep in mind, I don't really play Fallout. Every time I try, I quit. So (laughs) I kind of never got into it. You know more about it than I do way more. Mm. Would you say everything looked accurate to the game? Surprisingly, yes. Surprisingly? Surprisingly, yes. You think think they're going to do this well? No. Oh, so you think everything looks good, but they're going to butcher it? Yep, because it's Amazon. Uh, Don't don't, don't do that. Prime can do things. The problem is I don't know where they want to go with it. If they're basing it on... I think they're going to make an original story. If they're making an original story, it's like... It's a free for all because it's basically just a yeah a post-apocalyptic yeah, post uh, yeah. storyline as we've always seen. But 
The only thing I'll say is it's very proppy in the sense that the armors look very prop-esque. They don't look realistic. Okay. They look plastic. Well, that's what all that gets metallic. fixed in post production. Exactly, but it needs to be fixed we'll because, see. like, shape wise and the way it looks, it looked overall. Yeah. Extremely pleased. The makeup, stunning. Everything. Yeah, just, what they did to Walton Goggins' face is ridiculous. I was surprised it. at how, like, how close it was to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I saw it. I was like, wow. That's cool. how. And that's cool. and so for that alone, I'm hyped. The problem that I have is that. Since Fallout is a game where you play your own character, the like narrative line has never been about we're following, like in The Last of Us where we follow, yeah, you Joel, follow Joel and Ellie, the in Ellie the entire way through. Mm-hmm. In Fallout, you're your own guy. I don't we'll know how they're they gonna do. do for that. We'll see how series, they navigate. Exactly. I just hope they find a way to make it compelling. I hope so. But look wise, it so. works. If this, like, I would love to say to myself, if the show is good, I watch it. But I really don't watch TV shows. Same here. Although I, I played the game movies. and like I'm hyped at how it looks, I'll never watch a single episode because <laughs> I frankly don't care about TV that much. I don't, yeah, we don't watch television shows unless it's. Well, we have to. We only watch like the. I watch the really good ones. I mm-hmm. watch like the the ones that go above and beyond. I never watched The Last of Us HBO because I played the game and I figured if you're just gonna copy paste the same story, I feel no need to watch mm-hmm. it. I do watch The Bear yeah. on FX. I love The Bear. Um, uh, but the, the other live-action works that are being adapted, uh, Naruto? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because One Piece. So One Piece gets adapted by Netflix. The Last Airbender is getting adapted again by Netflix. Naruto, I don't know if it's in the works at Netflix, but it's being adapted. Um, pull this off? Yeah. They can do it. Since they pulled off One Piece, they know the recipe. They'll just do it for every single franchise there is. So it's going to just be existential anime adaptations that never end, pretty much. Yeah. That's because fun. that's how you carry it forward into like a Western that's audience. That's terrible to me. It anyway, is terrible, but what you want me to say? Yeah, I guess Crazy. so. Uh, do you have an actor you think you can play now, Naruto? No. no. I want I want whoever does the voice for Johnny Test to play Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> it would work. But no, I have no clue. I have no clue. Uh, no you think, What do you think of uh, uh, Naruto being played by Taika Waititi? That's weird that it would work. It would work, <laughs> it eh? It would work. Speaking of Taika Waititi, because now we're going to get into that Disney shit, because we, ha- we have to talk about Wish, and uh, we have to talk about a little bit of other stuff regarding Disney. Taika Waititi said recently, and I saw this yesterday through IGN, that he made Thor for the money. His quote is, I had no interest in doing one of those films, but I was poor and I just had a second child. And I thought, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to feed these children. That's the most dumb shit I've ever heard in my life. I... That's called denying accountability all the time. Last week I came on here and I slightly bashed Taika Waititi for putting a lazy effort with Next Goal Wins. I'm going to have to downgrade Taika Waititi as to one of the laziest human beings. That works in the industry. Your movie is... Thor was great. And Thor brought your name, Taika Waititi, to another level. The MCU did that for you. It was so... You were so poor after Ragnarok that you made Love and Thunder? Are you kidding me? What did you do with your money? No, no, no. That's... No, 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 no. He's saying that he had to make Ragnarok because he had to feed his children. But then you went back and made another one? Oh, because I forgot that you were broke. You need to make two Thors. One Thor was not enough. Kiss my ass, Taika Waititi. Exactly. This movie made you money. 
MCU gave you a higher name grade than you had beforehand. And if you kept it at that and just kept like trying to pull out quality, you would have been your entire generation of children would have been okay. But no, but that's not the that's not, the point is not that to me. The point is that how can you look at your career now, go back and look at Thor and say, Thor, I never wanted to do it, but I did it for money. Thor gave you, you a whole name. And not even Respect that. the fucking MCU. Go back even further. You had no money, then what the hell did you make what we do in the shadows in the first place? Because it was a passion project. You well, loved you cared that about shit. shit. You cared about it. That's, something, that's something we've noticed. There. That's something I've noticed. With his lack of passion behind his projects lately. Next Goal wins. And then before that, there was Thor Love and Thunder. Both of these movies are so uh, devoid of, of, of love of cinema. So passionless, if you want. Like, if you say mm -hmm. that you say, right? It, it's a shame. Honestly, it's a shame. And I hate to see a director look back on their career, pick a certain spot, especially a turning point in their career, and bash that point. Because mm -hmm. this is a dig at the MCU. I never want to do one of those movies. Yeah. It's not real cinema. Oh, like, fuck you. Like, seriously, they, they gave you money. I'm not... Like, I know we come on here and we do a lot of MCU bashing, mm -hmm. but I got to stand with them at some point and say, like... That's like if Robert Downey Jr. said, I thought to do... I, I, I did Iron Man, but... I really never wanted to do Iron Man. Like, how do you have that? Iron Man revived your career, but yep. you needed Iron Man. And how Man. spiteful are you to go ahead and, like, do and I, that? And Robert Downey Jr. would never do that. No. He, op he always comes out and says that Iron Man, he's so grateful for mm -hmm. being able to be Tony yep. Stark. I Even think... if it took 20 years. He says, I was worried about not being able to do anything else, mm -hmm. but I'm grateful to be Tony Stark. Yep. He did it for fucking forever. Mm -hmm. and Taika made two movies, and he's bitching about yep. it. Yep, and I'm like, wow. How entitled are you? That's what it feels like. You feel like a brat. It's just a shame. And now we probably lost all of our chances at a Taiki Watiti interview. <laughs> yeah. You know what? At the end of the day... Oh, we, we I care about integrity more than that. Like, yeah, so... It's ridiculous that, that, that a, a grown man who got so much success off of one film would come out and say that about the film that gave him so much success. How, how about you just don't look... Just look forward in life. Why would you look backwards? I think it's because people based on his new film are not super happy with it. Anyway, I don't know why he would ever say this, but he did. Um, He's just angry. It just sounds bitter. Yeah. That's what it, is. it comes off as bitter. Anyway, the MCU has moved on. And they've obviously moved on to bigger and better things. Hopefully, we don't know. Right now, they're kind of in the shits, but we might mm -hmm. be able to figure it out. Always wish the best of all those people, but do just dig your head out of the sand. And yeah. It'll be okay. They're making moves. They're make Disney's making moves. Michael Waltron who is the creator of Loki, was assigned to write uh, Avengers The Kang Dynasty. Which is cool, because it mm -hmm. feels like Loki has been the last uh, quality, yeah. true quality project out of the MCU. And He signed on to do Kang. And the thing too is, what I like about this, not necessarily the guy, but the fact that you see that they kept the name, Kang Dynasty. Yeah, they, they're keeping the name. They're keeping so the far. name. So far. Which means that hopefully Jonathan Major is Majors. still there. Well, we'll so, see. depending on how it goes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But like the fact that this is still in the works shows that although there's drama going on, they're still trying to push it through. Yeah, they're trying to push through, and it, it's funny because it comes off the back of Bob Iger's comments yep. about Disney. Did you see that yesterday? No, but I know you. I, I told you. Yeah. Like a, so yeah, Bob Iger, who is the CEO of Disney, has come out and said that Disney wants to start pushing quality over mm -hmm. quantity. Um, to which I say, good. 
Yeah, that's a good that's good. a good thing and, to hear from the CEO of Disney. And the thing is too, it's uh, you're still an asshole for not paying the writers, facts, facts or the facts. actors. But but it's a nice thing that you just uh, said. And uh, although it could all only be words, the truth is uh, there comes a point in when you're trying to release products that you have to realize that the output is not always the end all be all. No. And overall, you might make more money into something great and build back your name. Because yeah. that's what he realized. And I think, although we say it's a good thing, the truth is I'm really afraid that he says that and will follow that plan only for a short amount of time because he knows that right now he needs to rebrand Disney to something better well, than it was. And when he gets back to that position, he starts to pump out shit again. Yeah. And that's what I'm worried about right now. Most likely. But... It, but... You gotta feel like the move of to move Michael Waltron from you know he's the creator of Loki and now you're pretty much you're giving him a promotion mm-hmm. by making him the writer of Avengers, the next Avengers yeah. movie. You gotta feel like that kind of stands with what he's saying. He obvious if you're CEO of Disney, you obviously have to realize you're sitting on a gold mine when it comes to the MCU. That's one of the highest grossing franchises of all time. If not Cinderella the remakes are not gonna get you as much money as the Avengers. Will. No, but they still. No, they get you a bag. Yeah. But the Avengers is a whole new world. Mm. Avengers is like out of the ten highest grossing movies of all time, I think the Avengers take up like four slots. That's how ridiculous mm-hmm. it is. That's how popular it is. Yep. So you gotta see these movies as as you gotta recognize that, you know, what's gonna make you a bank of your buck is the quality of it. So I think the Michael Walter move is a smart move. I think that, you know, if there's one man who's created this wide open universe and it's this, him. It's him. He made Loki. And he introduced Kang. Yep. He showed the war- like he blew up the MCU. And if there's one man that's gonna kind of br- pull it back together, I think he can. I don't think bringing in another man to finish another man's work is that something smart. I no, think we've the Marvel seen it with Star Wars. We saw it with Star Wars, right? They had J.J. Abrams. He did The Force Awakens. You brought in Ryan Johnson. He scrapped whatever J.J. Abrams mm-hmm. did, and then they brought J.J. Abrams back to try to pull it all together. It's a kind of a disaster plan. What you had in the MCU before and what you're kind of getting again is the Russo brothers. Yep. They took from Civil War to Endgame. And they pulled everything together. Maybe you're going to get Michael Watson to be that that writer who's going mm. to help pull everything together. I can only hope so. Yeah, because um, the thing is too, after Endgame and all of this, they really went project by project and did not look... Like, if we look back onto the three years that yeah. happened since, they really went about like making those movies in a sense that they're going to go project by project, movie by movie, mm-hmm. and from there, higher out. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at it into like a broader vision, which, to be fair, is to be expected because they didn't know where they wanted to go. That's fair. And it resulted into what we got today, which is a bunch of like meaningless TV shows and a bunch of movies yeah, that did not hit. things that are just okay. Just okay. Yeah. But now that they know where they're going, I think he's trying to bring back that recipe of mm-hmm. let's hopefully let that guy as you said cook it yeah cook it yeah and from there build it yeah and he learned that that transition between phases and yeah. directorial like direction yeah for like a bit of yeah, a better yeah. word needs to be smoother yeah and hopefully hopefully i just find it very funny that you know disney is obviously more than the mcu right there's animation there's pixar there's star wars etc mm-hmm. so this is a statement from the boss the big boss even espn is Disney now, mm-hmm. ABC. Yeah. So it's the same thing from the big boss. You'll see. I don't know. I'm very excited to see what the future at Disney. I want to see a Jesse Pollock 
introduction into the MCU. <laughs> um, it's very cool that uh, they're doing quantity, uh, quality over quantity. I find it very funny that it comes out about a week later and a month later than the Marvels. And obviously Disney's Wish. Disney's Wish is uh, the film that is supposed to commemorate 100 years of Disney. What a bust. What a letdown. It's a bust. What the, a letdown. Um, Sad. To think that Disney was once a studio that put out The Lion King, that put out Little Mermaid, that put out Cinderella, that put out Snow White, that put out all these tales in animation that is so... Uh, iconic. Iconic. And more than genre-defining, like culture-defining. I cannot think of a Disney production that came out in the past five years, an animation that is going to ever reach that level of iconic. You want, you want to know when that happened last time? Or I, you already know. Know. I don't know. Looking at Frozen. Oh, Frozen reached the level of iconic. 2012. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last time it Wait, actually It's 2013, happened. actually. 2013? Yeah. Frozen is insanely popular. That's iconic. That's the last time that yeah. I can truly remember Disney being on top of the game. Yeah. yeah well, they're always of... on top of the game, but it's not with their animation. Disney nope. animation really ran the world when it had Frozen. To say the least, they had mm. Olaf and the gang. Uh, Wish is fine. And Ariana DeBose, I think is her name, and Chris Pine are the main two voice actors. It's a fine uh, it's a fine movie. I was not impressed. You want to do a deeper dive? Because I might have a point to bring forward. Yeah. Because you mentioned those like era of Disney where they actually like had something cooking for a while. Yeah. And every single time, as we mentioned with Marvel... They had one thing in common with that, which was they had one guy or a group of guy doing the thing. During the Disney Renaissance, it's like in the early 90s, yeah, like yeah, yeah. until Tarzan, there was one guy, I'm sorry I forgot his name, but he was from the theater world and was brought in to... And he was making all these Disney movies. Making all these Disney movies and trying to translate the um, like Broadway-esque way of like bringing a character up into yeah. the princess character. And it worked. Yeah. They did all those movies in the 90s, including, like, Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, yeah. uh, I, I Hercules, feel... like, all of those. Before that, you had Peter Pan. Yep. Uh, you had... Uh, really good, though. Yeah. Classics. Yeah. The, uh, and that era, too, was two guys that were brought up from, like, the 40s, working on those Broadway shows into that. I, so I just... They had someone cooking for them. But yeah, they don't have that anymore. They obviously go they go project for project. They don't always see a long-term vision. I just find it a big shame that this is supposed to be 100 years of Disney. And this is supposed to be that animation film that represents that 100 years. And it's such a um, anticlimactic... Uh, like, how, like, I would have made a Mickey Mouse movie. Yeah. They made a movie about a brand new character who wishes upon a star with a bad guy. I understand the whole idea of disney i find disney to be magical it used to be magical when, when's the last time we got a mickey mouse thing i don't know mickey mouse doesn't exist anymore i guess i don't know he should he's dope but mm -hmm. i don't know anyway i was just like i can't believe you make a hundred years of disney and this is what the product you say that you settle for you shouldn't settle for more disney would never settle for anything they would always reach yep. above and beyond they were the company that that didn't settle they they went and fucking bought star wars they bought like you know they didn't settle they always wanted more to bake more to grow more the fucking parks are so cool there's so much shit in them 
the p the staff they hire actors they hire people they always want more mm -hmm. but when they why would the, you settle on a hundred years because of celebration? they don't know how to create they don't well, they, they, just they don't know anymore they they take people's vision and bring them into well, I, a Disney ecosystem. They don't know what to do anymore, obviously. So I'm happy with Bob Iger's comments, especially when you consider Disney's Wish just being a very okay movie. Okay. It's it not the, like it's the, not the year, word I want to use. Like, the 100-year like commemoration mark feels more slapstick than anything else. Like, oh, you made the, this movie? the comedy is, is, is strictly made yeah. for like five-year-olds to mm -hmm. giggle. Like, like, it really feels like, oh, we had this movie cooking right now. It's this releasing at the same time that our 100 years commemoration mm -hmm. is happening. Let's join the both. Of Ariana DeBose can sing. She sings in this movie. She could sing. but and, and song is a massive part of Disney films. But I would not consider this to be a successful Disney film in terms of... Especially not in the scheme of things. So yeah, like I said, very happy with Bob Iger's comments that come out and say we want to prioritize quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, not. I it's don't... Like you come out the big game. You're in the finals, and your team is basically just Ohio State and fumbles the bag. <laughs> and you're like, oh, we need well, to come back stronger. Poor Ohio. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna be a like a douchebag. Was like, well, it's about time. That's not what I would do. I believe that everybody, like you know, can fuck something up every once in a while. Uh, but I'm very excited to see what Disney does going forward. Disney, obviously, a tough company to deal with. Mm -hmm. So big, learned. so huge that but at one it, point, so many moving parts. Yeah, of course. But it, it's undisputable to look at what they have and what they can make and not have to look at it every once in a while. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that, yes, they're, they, you know, they're not the most um, friendly bunch when it comes to creativity. But you have to kind of look at all the what they possess and be like, okay, yeah, we kind of... That's what the market is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, this is the world we live in. Anyway, um, as we uh, kind of are disappointed with Disney's wish, we wanted to introduce a segment. Episode 10. Uh, we're going to draft some shit. Me and you. We're yeah. drafting shit. Uh, and obviously, in honor of Disney's wish being a complete bust, uh, we're going to look at back in time and go to Disney animation that exists already. Uh, Pixar is allowed. Uh, there's five rounds. We're going to go. We're going to see who can construct a better list of films. Do we have to base ourselves off of a real list? No. Pick whatever five Disney films you want, but they have to be Disney. Disney or Pixar. Disney okay. Pixar is the same company. So whatever, anything that could be found in a Disney park that's based on an animation film, we have to go for five for five. Is it about Undisputed or I need to like... What do you mean? Does it have to be like... Oh, you got to make a, a, a list. Yeah. Five movies that are going to be better than my five. Okay. It's a draft. Yeah, based on who? Based on life. Life. Based on yourself. Based on okay. objectivity no, like... and subjectivity. Okay, because... Okay. You want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first. I know you won't pick my pick, so it's good. I'm not going to pick your pick? Nope, you're not going to pick my pick. I ain't getting stolen. I'm going to try to take your pick right away. No, you can't. I will. I'm getting research. I think you will. Uh, no, no way. Um, no, we'll stop. that's not what you're going to pick. Disney movie animation history, they've made so much, right? I only have five movies to pick. I feel like I got to go right off the bat. I'm going to take The Lion King. Okay. That's what I'm going to take right off the bat. Do you have a pick? Uh, I'm taking Fantasia. I fucking knew you were going to take Fantasia. <laughs> and I was going to say it. But then I was like, no, nah, you're not actually going to take Fantasia. I fucking knew it. <laughs> Fuck. Fantasia is great. Yeah. That's Mickey Mouse. Uh, I took Lion King. 
But that leaves it wide open for me because if it wasn't Fantasia, I felt like you were going to take Toy Story. Could it be? Nope. Fuck. Okay, well, I take Toy Story. Uh, I'm taking Tangled. Tangled is crazy. Dude, it's the best modern <laughs> version of a princess since the early 2000s. You're taking Tangled, I'm taking, okay. I'm taking Tangled. Mm. Mm. Do I just snatch it? I take, I take the W if I get this pick. I'm telling you. Like, there's no way. You can't catch up. Men's doing it off of the internet. I'm doing I'm it not, off my head. I'm no, I'm not. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. I'm loading down the two teams. Okay. No, I'm not cheating. Uh, full sand it. I'm going to snatch the ground right from underneath you when I take this pick. You're lost after that. Frozen. Frozen? Yeah. No, I'm not losing. You're not losing? I'm not losing. Take what you think. I'm taking Toy Story 3. No, you can't take the same... Fra- no, you can't take yeah, the same Yeah, you take... You say, hey, we're not talking franchises. We're not either? talking... Fra- I'm not counting all three, but don't take the... Th- don't take a sequel. The, the third one. I'm taking the third one. You took the first one. Can you take Toy Story 3? Fine, then. Fine. Isn't that crazy that you take Toy Story after I take Toy Story? But what do you want me to say? You, took, uh, you thought I was taking, like, Frozen. Copycat. <laughs> um... I don't want to fumble the bag. I feel like I got a good team. Uh, fuck. No, you really need to know. The, the, you, oh, I'm taking Lilo and Stitch. Okay, oh, that's a good pick. 100% that's Lilo and Stitch. That's a good pick. 100%. I'm Which, taking Peter Pan. Oh, I, I, I like that. I respect that. I was really that. scared you were going to take that one. I was like, ah, I need to no. snatch it right away. All right, my final pick. I need like a, um, not a box office beast, but I need like a classic. I have enough box office beasts. I need a classic. Like some old shit. Like some really old shit. Hmm. I really don't know. I could obviously, you can go with the more traditional ones. The, ah, it's a, it's a. I'm going to go Bambi. Bambi? Yeah, it's wholesome. That's a miss. It's not a fucking miss. That's How a, dare you? That's a freaking Bambi's miss. not a miss. It's a miss against my pick. Okay, what's your pick? I'm taking Monster Inc. Motherfucker. Fuck. Fuck. That's tough. And this game got a lot tighter at the end. I thought if I took Frozen, you were never going to take a Toy Story. And the Toy Stories are worth so much yeah, in the draft. That, yeah. <laughs> it's a tight draft. Yeah. To compare the teams, I have The Lion King, Toy Story, Frozen, Lilo and Stitch, and Bambi. And you have uh, Fantasia, Tangled, Toy Story 3, Peter Pan, Monsters, Inc. That's close. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think we, uh, we're going to post it on the Instagram and yeah, we're going to make it, we're gonna make a poll. Yeah. I think, uh, what, what do you think is your weakest pick out of your whole thing? Weakest pick out of my whole yeah. thing is Bambi. Mm-hmm. But... I did it on purpose. I, I I have enough of. I feel like I have enough firepower, but Bambi is still good. It's still great, actually. Mm-hmm. What do you think is your weakest? Pick? Tangled, but 100%. again, it's a it's a. But if that's your personal, personal pick. Personal so pick. Bambi's mine, yeah. and that's yours. All right, that's a good draft. Um, you know that marks the end of the episode pretty much for us. I think I don't think there's much else to. I have nothing else to add Not to the either. show. It was a fun one. We're gonna try to do a draft like this every week. Yeah, because it's fun. It's fun to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we're going to have Brother Matt on the yeah, pod. Brother, Matt, Brother, Matt, Brother Matt was here last yeah. week. Brother but Matt is the chaos energy we sometimes need. Brother Matt, we need him. He comes in, spices it up. He came with the breaking news at a screen last yep. week. So that was dope if you heard it. Uh, yeah, drafts every week. Maybe we're going to break them up, put them in the middle of the pod. Put them at the They're end just going to happen. They're just going to happen at some point, And then you could vote on the Instagram to see who has the best team. Facts. Um, 
that was it for Real Talk episode 10. That is 10 consecutive weeks. We hope to do one every fucking week for God knows how long. Until I die. Until you die. That's yeah. insane. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yes. Oh, names. This is a conversation we had last week that we have to figure out because, well, we're not going to have to figure out. We just, because I think at the beginning of Real Talk, what we would do is introduce ourselves yep. between every episode. But we realize how useless it is to introduce ourselves because we have the same name. So the introduction would be like, hey, welcome back to Real Talk. I'm Nick, and I'm with Nick. That's me. Yes, that's what you would say. <laughs> now I'm like, we have the same name. It's kind of useless, right? Only one that could stand out is Brother Matt. Yeah. When he's on, which he's not on every week. So we're just going to add a letter <laughs> to our <laughs> name. Basically. I'm going to be Nick A, and I'm joined by Nick L every week, yep. bringing you the show. So that's uh, how you'll be able to differentiate us on the uh, Instagram page when you look at our mm -hmm. names. Uh, that's it. Uh, as that, as for that, thank you very much. Uh, listening, um, subs uh, not subscribing. You don't subscribe to it. You do whatever you, you want. Follow. Thank you for showing support. If you're listening likes, on YouTube, subscribe. Five stars. Yeah, that's where that if works. If we ever make it to YouTube, yeah, always uh, forget to upload there. Yeah, because yeah, it's YouTube. It's the visuals we need. Yep. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Real Talk podcast. We will see you next Thursday, uh, same time, same place. That is it for us. Yes, sir. Signing off. Goodbye. Goodbye, boys. And girls. <laughs> Almost dropped the sexism at the end. <laughs>